welcome to episode 135 of Relics of Ore. I am your host, Grybok, and joining me this morning are the usual suspects. Uh, got uh, Spirit here with us. How are you doing this morning? Hi. I am actively trying to combat the dreary, wintry, fall bullshit with a cheery attitude. So, good morning, everyone. Good morning! And, uh, speaking of cheery attitudes, we're joined by Evie. How are you doing? Cheery attitude. What are you talking about? <laughs> Sarcasm. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> how's, it, how's it going this morning, Evie? I need coffee. Yeah, that's uh, accurate. I I could join you with that. Though it's technically not morning for me, because time zones. Yeah, time zones. And speaking of the magic of time zones, we're joined by somebody from the earliest time zone. How are you doing, Vraven? Earliest as opposed to what? Uh, as of everybody in this podcast. I think. Oh, okay. Because I thought we thought maybe you know in the United States, Hawaii is actually earlier than me. But yes, yeah. I think earliest in this podcast. I'm doing pretty well. I'm Glad so to always nice. be here. Yeah, <laughs> I Glad to be honestly here as always. forgot about Hawaii. <laughs> I forget about Hawaii. It just messes with my head that time zones exist. I don't like it. I was okay when I flew to New Zealand. <laughs> I slept over the international dateline the first time, and that was a good decision because I was awake on the way back, and I had a crisis. Yeah, it's it's bad. Flying from over there to over here is so much harder than flying from here to Europe. Like going going that direction over the dateline, it messes with you real bad. Like <laughs> yes, I'm glad I, I'm not alone in that. No, I I mean I had a flight at you know eleven o'clock, like from Japan to here, and so you know we had to get up at like five o'clock to get there on a train, and it's like we got up at five a.m got there on time and then like took a flight that was 10 or 11 hours and got home at eight in the morning the same day that we left and it was just like if i go to sleep now i am going to be doomed for my sleep schedule so you have to like stay up long enough then you stay up another like 12 hours and then you go to bed at eight and feel like an old person (laughs) <laughs> but like you've been awake for friggin' like twenty five hours, and it like it's <laughs> it's brutal. It's hard. It uh, it messes with you real bad. Uh-huh. This is why you just like party that night before you leave. You and... Oh, I did. That made it worse because I was hungover. The, why did you sleep on the flight? I tried. <laughs> anyway, back to Guild Wars. Yeah. Uh, so- we can have that? a rousing discussion about time zones in the forums if any of our listeners do desire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And also hangovers. Um but uh it's uh it's patch week, so let's uh let's just move straight into Patch Adams. They're squirrels. They're one of the most amiable creatures on the planet. Oh no, they're not. On the list of hostile predators, they're right above the bottom, just above baby chicks and slugs. What could they possibly want? Your nuts? <laughs> So uh, this one was a bit of a short, uh, short patch, as it were. I think. I think most people would agree that it's. I think it was uh, really short. Yeah, it's it's pretty short. Um, we've got a small zone expansion, similar to how we got the the zone expansions in. Dry top. Um, yeah, dry top. Thank you. Um, but uh, those were much larger expansions, and then we got a few story instances, and um, yeah, who wants to who wants to lead off with this? Uh, I'll talk about the open world bit real quick because it it is kind of small, but it's it's an interesting event in that it's not like anything else we've seen in Guild Wars before. 
Um, so the premise of the event is you go, well, first of all, it's only open um, after the breach events. So there's the back and forth at all the forts, the breach happens, and then there's a 20 minute period, like it's, it's a break period where you can go and do this event. So you go down into the labyrinth, and the premise is you have to move from like these little light bulb, not light bulb, but like light glowy flowers, uh, move from one to the next because it gives you a speed boost, and it also gives you a skill that lets you stun the wolves that are following you, and it's the wolves um, move very fast, they'll outrun you if you have swiftness on, and they will one-shot you. But if you're an Ellie and you have number four dagger, you can you know, ride the lightning away from them and get to a safety pod. Oh, that's useful. Yeah, but okay, so you, you're doing this, you're running away from the wolves, and then there's chests littered all around that area, these lesser nightmare pods. Uh, which I think it's interesting that they're called Nightmare Pods, but that's beside the point. Yeah, we're just um, getting into lore stuff. Yeah. Uh, we, you open them up, there's no keys required, they're not like the chests up top, but then you get better loot out of those chests the more everyone in the map open those chests. So like the longer you spend there with more people, the better loot you're going to get. Is that really how it works? I, I didn't notice that. Each, each tier of the event... Um, that's completed so like there's like 150 chests is there 100 150 something like that i'm not yeah. i'm not clear on the exact numbers um but then again as you open the chests you get these nightmare essences doodles. things essences yes not nightmare doodles uh and if you get 25 of them you combine them with a, a bandit key and then you get to open the big chest in the middle which has like four champion chests and like the potential for better loot including carapace glove boxes which is the new carapace armor piece released with this patch um seems to be fairly rare i've opened it a few times i heard someone say they opened it 30 times and did not get one um but you also get the nightmare keys from a successful five boss kill in the breach so they're not terribly hard to get but they are time consuming and you get achievement for opening the grand nightmare chest the first time you open it and a title, which is Dark Traveler, if I remember correctly. Oh, that's the title there? That's a cool one. Yeah, it'd be more fun if it was Nightmare Doodles, right? You get Fowling's coloring book. <laughs> and then you can eat it for 500 garments. That's right! <laughs> Only if children did it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I should have kept that item. It is, to this day, my favorite item in all of Guild Wars 2. Uh, I, speaking of favorite items, as a, as a small side note, I, I actually kept, I kept I the gift from Scarlet on all of my characters except like oh. one i've got just, like three of those too yeah just like in the hope that one day there'll come a moment where i need to have some hilarious prop comedy <laughs> well i've already done that once so i at the uh event i'm sorry the skill point <laughs> in matrika province where you have to kill the veteran uh lightning bolt thingy elemental so I was uh, there with just someone else on the map and i used my gift of scholar on one of my characters and they're like um what was that I'm like, oh, it's awesome. The, it resonated. Like, know. how did that happen? I'm glad to know that my fellow hosts are both hoarders and excellent prop comics. Yeah, prop no. comedy's a favorite, a favorite uh, pastime of. But Shonguku and I are holding out the hope that those refugee truck child drawings will be mountable on the one day guild hall. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, we're getting a little bit far afield. But uh, was there anything else you wanted to talk about about the labyrinth? Mm. I don't think... Oh, it was not where we expected it to be. It's like everyone saw those paths leading off to the, the west side of the map. We were like, oh, tangled paths. Guess where we're going? We did not go that way. We went to the south and through a skrit hole onto like 
it, and the lab underneath is located the map. under the map. So the the side bit is still there unexplored. Yeah. Well, but there's some change with that side bit. I mean, we've got that giant glowy tendril tube thing going into the ground that wasn't there when we first got the zone. And it's not always there yeah. either. Has the they because there's the three paths and the the one in the north got a tentacle really early on and then this middle one got one later on i want to say like a couple days before the patch and now i guess we're waiting on a third one and that indicates that those gonna open up i'm guessing i'm kind of wondering if we're gonna get another marionette style thing like with those like those big lanes you know i kind of hope so like because i I understand that the marionette maybe couldn't have existed forever but the premise was super cool well, yeah. you know what would be cool? I wouldn't mind that existing. This would be kind of Final Fantasy-esque. But what if, you know, the Mordremoth thing, or Mordremoth himself, made like a plant marionette because it's a reflection of Scarlet in, you know, his psyche? I don't know. Yeah. I'm on board. Let's do it. Yeah, I could dig it. I mean, you could even, even without the marionette aspect, I mean, it could just be basically the plant dragon, you know, like super lieutenant and be like a better, yeah. batter one or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um... I have seen slash understand some people are a little bit frustrated that the labyrinth is tied to the PVE content well, or not the PVE the the map completion. Aren't a lot of people annoyed now that there's a twenty minute break or whatever between breach now between breaches? That yeah, also would can, not surprise me. Yeah, it can get frustrating because now one of the uh, uh, this is a little bit speculatory as well, but one of the things that um, was added was the more gym bosses can now drop fangs and tendons, right? So we assume that for each piece of luminescent gear, you're going to have to get six different, well, not six different, but um, there's going to be six possible drops from each of those bosses. So you have a one in six shot of getting the actual one you want for the luminescent piece. And then, so you have to be able to do, and the breach isn't as farmable as it was before. So the time invested in getting each piece is going to go up as there are more pieces to get, and it could be awful frustrating. Yeah. yeah. But they are they coming out with the Morgum Extractor, which allows you to uh, get the piece that you want, aren't they? They did, yeah. They did add um, for the tendons, but not the fangs. Mm-hmm. So the fangs are still a 50%, you know, whether you're going to get it or not. But And the tendons you can get extracted. But uh, pro tip, if you, go to, if you need, like, the troll tusk or whatever it's called go to you know the amber where the troll boss is and you've got a higher chance of getting it i believe i think it's a that undolphy mm, that's interesting it, it makes yeah, sense I... though because if you need the troll part go to where the troll is if you need the thrasher part go to where the thrasher is the logic follows yeah anyway. yeah just yeah i think some of the people's frustration like it it kind of sucks when you get on an uncoordinated map or whatever and you know because it doesn't do you need to actually succeed in killing the bosses to open this up no oh okay it just happens Okay, never mind then. But even so, it does, um, once again, it sort of brings up how much people would love the ability to, to swap between, uh, or to, to have a sort of a district-type system again, you know, just just for general map organization, I guess, but that's kind of neither here nor there. Um, so do you guys want to talk about the storyline? Yes, I have a lot to say about the second instance. Okay. Well, how about we start with Evie, since he's been silent for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> 10 minutes. I, I'm i not going to lie. I was kind of disappointed with the story. Mostly because I felt like it, it was, oh, let's do some stuff, and here's a big climax. 
Which, yeah. I mean, it did feel very short. Bad, but how about that concept point, art? It, it felt short. The... <laughs> it was pretty damn good. Yeah. That loading screen was amazing. I I want a high resolution background thing image of that without the Someone little, like, loading screen. Minions, bit. Go Someone get that for me, please. Other than that, why have... in the world? What did I say? Like, do two they let Kaze like, do anything like, anymore? Kaze and Kanak, biggest problem child of the Savari. Why are we letting them do things? And well, what happened? Go ahead, bring forward your theories, but I've got a theory. Why did you start then? I'm wondering because, you know, Kaze said something. I'm hoping she's not corrupt and not bad. I'm hoping. Because Kaze said something about, you know, we were there when, we, when uh, of course, they were there when Glint died. And so I think she was alluding to where were the Zephyrites. So I wonder if the Zephyrites are all on the up and up. Because that's been my question from the beginning of this. Kay should have known the Zephyrites. Because she was the only one who stayed, if you read the book, spoilers here, the only one that stayed and started picking up droplets of blood from Krokotorik after Glint had died. You know, the rest of Destiny's Edge had fractured, and Kay's like, no, I'm going to keep trudging forward. Hmm. That is an interesting theory. Kay has a much... I mean, it's not an obvious thing, but she's much more invested yeah. into and yeah, for sure. dealing with the So I hope that, I mean, I, would, I like the Zephyrites, but I'd rather them be bad than Cave at this point, especially since she's got the ache. I'm gonna counter, okay, I have a theory. It's not 100% based on lore. I like yours better because it's based on lore, but I have a theory based on basically the teasers that they've given mm-hmm. us. They keep saying that things are super going to change by the end. We're 75% of the way through this story, and it's leading us towards finding Cave. So I figure it takes us another patch to find her. They dropped a teaser, um, which I will link for you guys, because I don't think a lot of people saw it, of Cave standing next to Fowling, and it's Cave's old design. So it looks like it's going to take us into Cave's past. We'll probably get, I hope, that secret that will... that they've been hiding from us since Aetherpath came out. That Scarlet knows something? Yeah, what Scarlet knew that Fallon didn't. Uh, and my my guess currently for the end of the Living Story Season 2 is that we fight Cave and kill her. I'm just mm. throwing that out there. Yeah, I'm <clears throat> I can't decide whether they're gonna full-on go with you know, turning Cave into a bad guy or if they're <clears throat> kind of gonna do one of those like well, really, it was for the greater good, even though it was totally questionable and sketchy and ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I kind of hope it's the former. Like, I I would be fine with killing Kaith off. Like, I don't dislike her, but it makes it makes a more compelling story, I feel like, if, you know. I think it'd go either way. I really was suspicious when, you know, she's following you around. the right? Yeah. And it's like, she's like, don't mind me. Don't, she said it to me, like, 18 times. I'm like, I didn't even talk to you. What are you doing? <laughs> Stop talking. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Why that is was so like, Ritlock and a blindfold is going to come out of the mist and stab Cave through, and that is how. We won't even get a killer. That'd be sick. No, he's not going to stab her. He's going <laughs> to summon a spirit. Because Ritlock is or, a like, right, Maybe Ritlock. Because he's obviously a ritualist, ritualist now. Um... <laughs> He, uh, I don't know, or he could come down and exonerate her because, you know, the mists have oh told God. him secrets or something. And also we'll know. have another character that's not so very with this whole dream concept, and I know this and I know that, but I'm not going to tell you why. Speaking of, how many of you played through this as a Silvari? 
I have mostly Silvari characters in my main Silvari, so I've played it through on Silvari more than once. Yeah. I haven't. I kind of wanted to slap Marjorie. She was like, I don't know, should we really be, know. Uh, you know, talking to Kate? She's, you know, uh, Silvari. I mean, well, you know. And I'm like, Look. well, what? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's totally fair yeah. after two Silvari almost wiped out everything <laughs> we hold to. Yeah, but you don't say that to the Silvari. Oh, I guess that's fair. Like, uh, I'm just like, hey, wait a minute here. Yeah. Like, okay, sure. I see how it is. Like, it's not an unreasonable uh, fear, but it's also kind of like, it's a little well, I think I think what Marjorie's not understanding, if I'm getting the right things from Lord, the, the tree, the pale tree seems to be protecting people, or protecting, rather, the Savari from night, well, more off corruption. I mean, she all but stated that. So that makes it so they can't be corrupted if they still have the dream, as long as you know, she's still alive. So the Soundless are the only Savari that are actually kind of like humans, because humans can be corrupted by the brand. We've seen it the branded. We've seen the undead. So right. what's the big deal? Because all of a sudden, a few have been singled out, and the ones that are still within the dream are okay. Savari are actually more, can be trusted better if, you know, they're part of the dream. I think so. the problem is that there's not, like, a little, you know, title under your character's name that says still part of the dream. I think that um, might be the problem. You know, it's, I mean, yeah, the the problem is that it's just like any spy, like, it could be anybody, um, and especially with thing. especially with the pale tree mostly out of commission, she can't be like, oh, my child's left the dream, like. Yeah, but it's like you said, though, so why sing out Safari? Because, you know, a human could be corrupted just as easily as a Safari. I mean, we're all vulnerable to dragon corruption at this point, I think, so. That's true, but, but with Mordremoth, we have only seen... At least, as far as we can surmise, corrupted Silvari in terms of sentient races. Which brings out another tinfoil hat there. I think Evie told me this one. What were you saying, Evie, about the pale tree being kind of like Glint? Oh, okay. What? Oh, that was actually Shangku, and he, I think he was something along the lines of it's a dragon lieutenant. I like that idea, but it's one. Yeah, that I think that's. I think that that's sort of something that they've been hinting at all along, and that it's Ventari's influence that caused that. Like it wasn't a. It wasn't a conscious choice. It was as it was in its rearing, as it were, that it was sort of raised differently and like the vine back piece that we get. Yeah, and uh, that. Yeah, and so and and that sort of jives with how the Nightmare Court, like with their rhetoric, which is that you know, like no, I understand, you know, the the dream is, the dream is a lie, or that you know, Silvar or Ventari's Ventari's uh, teachings are counter to to what we are. They are shackles, you know. We are, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, and and you know, maybe that they have glimpsed the nightmare being Mordremoth and. But interestingly enough, it'll be interesting to see if the Nightmare Court be, are, are, remain as a third faction because they are still attached to the Dream, because their goal is to sort of corrupt it back. Like, they, they want to corrupt the Dream through their, like, nightmarish actions. Yeah. And so it'd be really interesting to see if they, like, ally with Mordremoth, but don't actually become minions proper. Like, if they still have their own sort of sense of free will mm-hmm. or if they do just become corrupted or if they just or if they fight against Mordremoth and say 
you know, while Morgmoth's all about what we're all about, but we don't want to be slaves because that's how we viewed the dream was yeah. like a form of slavery. Yeah, it, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see if the if and when There's they a lot talk of about these ways things. They could take that. Yeah, yeah. Well, taking that, you know, the, her being a dragon lieutenant even farther, that made me think. So, if that's true, that means a dragon has inadvertently spawned a new race on Tyria. I'm like, wow, that's crazy to think about. I got thinking, what if that is how all races, their at least their prototypes, showed up on Tyria, you know, many cycles ago? Oh, like how the whole like idea of the six dragons, exactly, or the six races to fight the six dragons is yeah. like the remnants. What's that? Oh, you're right. Was it five against six? It was five against six. No, it was six. There was, was something. I'll get on this. Yeah. It, I'm pretty sure it was six. I'm pretty sure it was too, it, but it was like a lost race the last time. Yeah, that well, opens yeah, up so the door if, for Tengu. Um, <laughs> what, what if you know, like you said, since it wasn't a ritual like we saw with Glint, because we know the Forgotten released Glint, right? What if it was some sort of influence? Because you know, think of the Terra as this proto world without any uh, intelligent, so to speak, species on it. And some sort of influence, something broke a lieutenant or broke a minion from, and that is how the beginning of all races. With that as, you know, like, how it works in Tyria. I just thought it was an interesting concept. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. Um, as to as to spawning a whole race, as it were, um, the Destroyers are... Well, no, the Destroyers are really corrupted other creatures, though. Yeah. Yeah. We I was, I was thinking back first. from Guild Wars 1, yeah, where we... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's interesting stuff. Speaking of interesting stuff, I have one more thing about the opening instance that's not really related to any dialogue. But if you go into the first instance, and instead of talking to Logan, you run over by Marjorie. She is attacking a training dummy with a series of three new animations that look awfully a lot like what could be a Necro Greatsword auto-attack. Mm-hmm. She uses it all through the mission, too. I don't know if you were watching yeah. her when she was fighting. Oh, no, I wasn't really paying attention to it. Yeah, well, because I was playing my melee Necro build, and so I was like right next to her the whole time, and she was using that like against creatures. Well, cool. I'm looking forward to... I hope that becomes a thing. She I used really it. like to use a Greatsword. She used it in Hidden Arcana as well, didn't she? Uh, I don't know that. I she think did. she did. I think she was using it against you know the pin the cheese the broken cheese wheel fight. I thought she was using it there. Ah, uh, broken cheese wheel. Could... She... Yeah, if they, the I have to say, like if they, um, if this notice. does turn into like a breadcrumbing trail, as it were, uh, I think it's great. I mean, we've said so many times that. They very clearly either have incredible foresight or do really good at like backlinking, you know, because I mean, you don't really necessarily know chicken or the egg, like which which came first, whether it was the the end game that you know premeditated the uh, what they decided to build up to it, or the other way around, you know, if they just build their starting threads and then decide which ones to connect. But if they do, um, you know, that's that's really that's really cool breadcrumbing because you have I mean you have all these people like us that it's that can't help but notice you know things like I mean this is very clearly a brand new animated auto attack chain like we know that she's a necromancer you know and yeah I mean it's uh yeah I mean if that's if that does turn out to be accurate and not just like NPC talk where she gets her own special superpowers like that'd be really yeah. that'd be really cool that'd be really yeah. cool so we just gotta wait for Ritlock to come back. Though, admittedly, I'm still waiting for the day for uh, <laughs> yeah, awesome. 
what's it called? The thief to be running around with a rifle. <laughs> yeah, Kate. Kate's then, uh, then final boss instance she gets uh, the legendary rifle and just like pew pews everybody. I'm sold. <gasps> no, she gets Scarlet's <laughs> rifle. Oh my god. Um, yeah, it. Um, I actually have to say once again, I I appreciated some of the dialogue that sort of had the characters actually recognize that you're a significant person in the plot. Um, they were they've just been piling on since you know this season has started. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's. I mean, yeah. I. I actually, I loved that Zoja line about, you know, I think it was her that said... 78% of our firepower? Yeah, the 78% of our yeah. firepower. And if you say that sounds like an exaggeration, she said, I've been learning how to exaggerate from timey. I was like, yep. oh, that's adorable. Like, that 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 exchange was really cute. Like, it was, yeah. it was so, like, simultaneously sort of a funny joke that was completely true, but also like in character to you know it was it was sort of like that you know like a data moment from star trek you know like yeah i am practicing my humor like type of type of thing so i thought i thought that was cute i thought that was really funny and there's been little things like that throughout this whole uh this whole season i think and i think it's been really good it's it's much better than you know, the living story where you didn't get that you had a lot of awkwardness yeah yeah it um yeah i they they're the characters are just feeling a lot more alive and a lot a mm-hmm. lot more interesting and like they've been building up better stories. I definitely thought it was interesting that it seemed like you were willing to confide in like Logan and in Destiny's Orphans or whatever, but like you didn't want to talk to everybody in Destiny's Edge about some of the things. I thought that was kind of interesting. Oh, um, I didn't catch that. What do you mean? I feel like one of the one of the things it's like you you talk to Logan and you're like, "Oh yeah, super secret, you know, like don't tell anybody about about the the egg or whatever uh-huh. and you know you're like yeah don't tell anybody and then you and then you like go down and talk to you know uh the living story uh counterparts and you talk to them and i feel like one of them says something like um something about not telling well i think that might have been that that marjorie comment about like not telling Kate. And I guess I was probably thinking about Ritlock and forgetting that he had disappeared into the mists. Oh. So. Well, then you go down and talk to Timey. Timey wants to know, but you say, oh, Bram will tell you later. Yeah, yeah. I gotta go. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it was, it was just sort of interesting. A little bit of sort of compartmentalization of, uh, you know, character knowledge or whatever. So. And you didn't discuss it. Nobody discussed it with Traherne, right? Oh, um, I think you told them to tell only Traherne is what you, you told Logan or someone to do. Oh, maybe so Traherne will know. Okay, I think they said don't tell anyone but Traherne or something like that. Oh, okay, because you know Traherne's got to know everything. Well, you know, he's trusted-ish. Um, what did you guys? How did you guys feel about the the last instance? I feel like I'm sort of jumping ahead a bit, but how did you feel about that last instance with like being in the labyrinth and? Than the boss fight. Okay. The... Not... Well, it wasn't actually the last one. But the first major boss of the thing kind of irked me. Which one was that? Remind me again. The, like, dog wing spike thing. No, the the Marjum Lurker that pursued you through the maze, right? You're talking about the one that kills one of the The... uh, aspects of... Or the Masters... Oh, yes. wait. That's a what? giant Terry Griff thing. I loved that. Boss I thought it was so pretty much, cool so. as well. 
Even Maybe I'm forgetting what what I, boss is after I that. I find it incredibly frustrating. Or is there one? The the what? last instance is the troll, the one that you hated. Troll. Oh, the one you had to go. Oh, uh, bo- oh actually both of them. Actually both of them. The the teragraph and the troll. <laughs> I both I both decided to switch back to my range. But that's we'll we'll get into that discussion in a minute. Okay. The the teragraph. I was talking. I was sort of talking about the maze and the or right, go uh, Eevee. Yeah, go Eevee. Go back. Go on. That's actually the reason why I didn't like it, because it is so... I mean, the idea behind the boss is really good, but I think it was poorly executed, because trying to melee that boss is basically impossible. Well, yeah, I, I thought so as well, and I thought it was hilarious how I think it's the you know master of wind is like, now's your chance to get close. So I did it like once or twice, I'm like, nope, nope, I'm staying. Yeah, and then he launched heat-seeking projectiles that touched your to- toes and then you died. Mm-hmm. It was awful. Like, I, I, no, I agree with that. Like, the NPC gives you mixed messages. He's like, yeah, you can touch it now. And you're like, poke, and then you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> It was, yeah, it was it was hard. I I ended up having to do that fight by spamming dancing dagger <laughs> to down it because I didn't have my short bow with me. Oh. And I wasn't expecting to go against a boss like that that I literally could get, could not yeah. get next to. Um yeah, I feel like it's a good point to interject this. We were talking about um <clears throat> I was confessing at the beginning of the show that I'd finally broken down and decided to make a Berserker Necro because I'd been running a Condition Mancer since launch, and I hated the Power Necro way back in the day, back when it sucked. Um, and I never really gave it a chance again. And it was it was really funny that I decided to do it and do this whole Living Story set with it, and then I got to that boss and I just went, F this! Holy crap! Like... <laughs> I was like, because I, I was mostly melee. I actually didn't have an axe yet, and um, yeah, I mean, I was having the same thing as you. It was like jump around, get get punched a bunch, like just just like get kited. And then when he finally stops moving, he has the like weird thing that if you get too close, which is basically in melee range, you like instantly yeah. go down. Yeah, I um, just, but uh, I I man, I got him down to about half. With my dagger and or death shroud, um, and that's pretty good. I'm impressed. Like I probably could have finished it off, but I was just like I got into the point in the fight where he was just jumping from one side of the arena to the other over and over again, and I just said, you know what, <laughs> f this, and I just turned back on my old. Well, I reequipped my old gear. I didn't actually use. The, I didn't change my utility skills. Um, and just using the scepter auto attack, I killed the last half of him because you could actually hit him in air. Like there were points where he was evading, but there were points where he wasn't. And so if you just leave the auto attack on, you know, I just built up my bleed stacks and it was just like trivially easy um, on my condition mancer, which was kind of a hilarious reversal from how it always is everywhere else in the game for the most part. I probably should have like gone to dagger gotten my and pistol gone pistol sword pistol pistol primary and put it on yeah and gone pistol dagger yeah, and just be like pew, 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 pew. probably would have taken the same amount of time it, well i mean i don't i think it actually no, no, would have no. been faster been because honestly just the fact that you can constantly be hitting him when he's not quote unquote vulnerable um i mean yeah i mean that adds up hugely and then he still has the vulnerable periods so you know if you just like swap it to a, a more damagey set or whatever um, 
Well, what I was doing was whenever he would go into his like vulnerable phase, I would run in, get as many backstabs as I could before going down because of that stupid, weird pathing, I don't know what was going on there thing. And then I would come back up while he was flying around in the air because he's not going to hit me. Right. I'm a thief. Yeah. Oh, I was also annoyed that like some of the NPCs would res me sometimes and then they just like wouldn't other times. And so like sometimes I was okay. They res me once. One time. I didn't even know they could. Um, but okay. So, so I want to like turn this into a little like extra discussion on, cause Vraven was saying, you know, he's giving me a little bit of a, a little bit of lip about, about finally going into a Zerker and, uh, and how, you know, we were sick of the Zerker meta, which I agree. Um, I do think that this fight is a really good sort of experiment on mechanics that you can use to break up the the, the Zerker meta concept. Well, hasn't, hasn't this whole, this whole you know, PvE content from the story been that way? I mean, it's introduced reasonable uses for condition damage. I mean, husks, they're so hard to Zerk down. You've got to have conditions on those yeah. things. But the well the the problem with the, the husks in the open world the is problem the condition with, gap still. But that's what I was about to say. The problem with condition damage isn't that it isn't useful because I mean I I can't remember who did it, but the actual numbers like even warriors have a condition build that is pretty much on par with the berserker one. The thing is, there's yeah. a condition cap. So when you get to a point where you're doing open world content or even team stuff. You don't want conditions to be your focus because you're going to have people like thieves or whatever that just throw out conditions while they're doing Zerker. And they're going to yeah. well, the, well, that's the other The other problem with it is um, it's a lot more competitive when you're fighting like elites and, and bosses um, where you actually have time to build up your stacks. But against a lot of like trash mobs, it does make you noticeably slower because your damage has to ramp up a lot a lot more than a Zerker does. So, like, if you have Condition Mancers in, in some of those areas where there's just, like, a bunch of trash guys, you'll just kill them faster with Zerkers, just, and which it just adds up over the course of a run, as it were. Like, so not for a boss fight, but for, you know, just running running through, you know, the trash areas. Um, it's just sort of a general problem with conditions. If you're always on your toes, though, and if you're making every perfect move and know exactly what to do when you're speaking on dungeons with Zerker yeah. here. Yeah. But talking about the, the cap, though, um, that said about, you know, there's only so many conditions we've done. I've been at Red Base in Silver Waste many times. I can think of four or five separate instances where we did not have enough condition mancers and we failed. Yeah. So I think it's good that they're putting something in there where you need condition builds. And you know it's it's not it's not fixed, but it's a little better. They're, they're moving towards away from only. Yeah, well, like like my I guess my overriding I'm... point is, or not overriding, but my my overall point is just that in general, it looks like they're trying to experiment in a lot of ways, and the mechanics of this boss making it so that you couldn't just you know quote unquote corner stack him very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, it was too much. I think we would agree. Like it was it was too punishing to melee builds and it was especially annoying if you didn't have a range set on hand um but you know mixing in those types of mechanics i feel like is is an interesting like way of doing that you know of of having having yeah i mean it's the the ways to fix the zerker meta are do not lie in stats because like the 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 trifecta of three stats that have multiplicative bonuses when all combined and having them all together on gear, unless you got rid of that gear altogether, 
which they don't want to do. Um, there's always going to sort of be that thing, but it always has the thing that thing where it's like always super strong. But it has that caveat on it, where the caveat is that you can constantly be doing your maximum DPS and things like movement effects or you know resistances or things like that to those type of Zerker builds can help bring that into balance. You know where. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, if you can make him bleed while he's flying around, that Condition Mancer will have a chance to, to rack up a bunch of damage, and then your DPS will definitely start to equalize, you know, as maybe the, the Zerker gets those higher bursts but can't do them very often because the boss is, you know, jumping around and stuff. But yeah, Or you yeah. can be a yeah. Zerker staff Ellie and just blow him up. And just blow, you just blow him up everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they could, they could make him, the, you know, I mean... Is a little ham-fisted or whatever, but they they could make him immune to physical damage while he's flying around or whatever, but not immune to conditions. Mm-hmm. So your scepter auto attacks would do zero damage, but still apply your bleed sacks. The, or the real issue yeah. with this boss that I've had isn't so much that it's oh this favors conditions or whatever. It's that it's so unforgiving for melee. Yeah. Oh no, which I know. Is an That's... Issue. And as far as actual like making things uh, more. What's the word I'm looking for? Encouraging of using conditions by doing so by discouraging berserker builds, I think is the wrong way of going about it. Mostly because the game as it is right now, there are a lot of people that are never going to switch over, and the only thing that doing that will do is just ruin their experience. Me, yeah. for example, I'm never going to make another armor set. Plain and simple, I will quit the game before I make another armor set. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, I I guess yeah. I what my yeah. I think that still sort of agrees with what I was saying though. Is that I think it's good to have mechanics that make it so that your your Zerker gear has periods where it is extremely effective, but also maybe has periods where you need to stand back for a minute. And like the same thing, like melee DPS is way higher. Uh, just in general, than range DPS, but it... it's it's like you said, they can't fix it by taking the Zerker stat out. So they need to put in mechanics to make it more interesting and let everyone be. Well, but they, yeah, they, but they can't do it where Zerker stat out. But they'd also have to take out the. But other they stat can't and no. make quality gear yeah. just to have a universal thing, or make it where we can switch easily. Yeah, but they can't do like you said, Evie. They can't. They can't make it so that Zerkers can't really participate in a fight at all, or melee in this case. But I'm sort of putting it in the same in the same box because the melee range thing is similar, you know. Like melee generally just does more DPS than ranged because of the theoretical counterpoint that you have to actually be close to something and therefore in more danger. But with a lot of the boss and encounter mechanics, you're never really in danger in melee, so you just get to do more DPS all the time. Um, but yeah, it's it's a similar type of problem wherein. You know, the theoretical balance point is that the one that does more won't necessarily be able to do it as often or for as long, but current design in PvE, that's just not the case. You just can do both of them for the same duration, and so once... I don't know, though. I mean, because what are you speaking? Are you speaking on dungeons or open just, world? Just in general, like, as a, as a concept of, like, you... Just as a general balance point concept, like, in PvP, the difference between ranged and melee is obviously safety. Um... And because mm-hmm. I've been pugging a lot of dungeons in the last yeah. month or two, and 
It seems to me that too many people have Zerker gear and don't know how to use it because they spend more time dead. And even if you were wearing soldier's gear or complete healing gear, you're going to do infinitely more damage if you're alive and than dead. Yeah, but, th- so that's, but that comes down to the... the... This is a whole different tangential discussion about about skill cap and how much of an influence a higher skill cap thing should have than a lower skill cap thing. Um, which is to say, like if the if the skill cap is a lot higher on berserker gear, should it like what proportion more damage should it take if it requires a higher skill cap? And then the problem becomes how many people have reached that skill cap. Because, like you said, if you're dead, and, it's it's useless. Like, if you're dead all the time, you're not well, doing anything. But Because I'll literally go in groups that say, you know, Berserker-only pin gear, and I'm wearing Valkyrie gear on my uh, yeah. Guardian. And so I'll be the only one alive resing the group, and they're like, man, you're good. I'm like, yeah. Them hit points, yeah. Yeah, them no, hit you're, points. No, I mean, you're right. So anyway. But I but I guess what I'm saying is that... Uh, there often also exist people groups that can do completely full zerker and and not die. I've only seen one in all the pugging. One get one dude, one small group of friends that can do the zerker, and they can clear dungeons in no time. Yeah. Everyone else, either they. I, that's what I think. I think people need to build up to it to learn how to use it instead of just buying it because they think. It's but I also well, th- there's also well, yeah. the point of like when it comes to zerker gear versus soldier or whatever. That sure, the Zerkers are going to go down if they don't know what they're doing. But in the time that they're up, there's a very good chance that considering how long fights are in the game in general, that they're actually going to do more damage than the soldier that's alive for two, maybe even three minutes. And I would argue that. I've seen the numbers. That's that's how it is. Once you... But once you uh, go down, there's your damage going away. Plus, if someone goes to res you, then that's twice the damage that's going away. Well, it's not twice not the damage. Mention... It's two instances of damage. But the Two instances <laughs> of damage. Yeah. Um, it could be twice, or it could be less than twice. Yeah. But then you've got, um, what if you wipe? Which usually happens when you go with a group that wants their girl only. So I just stopped going with the groups that want their girl only. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, there's, there's also a difference between pug and organized groups. Mm-hmm. Like... I've definitely gone with a lot of like guild groups where, you know, it's not Zerker only mandated, but we're good enough that we can do Zerker only and I mean you just you just blast through it and like you feel it personally when you're like, Man, yeah, if I were playing a more defensive oriented build, I didn't we didn't need it. And if I were playing it, it just would be slower and you know, yeah. And I, going along but, that it's not even just pug versus like going with predefined groups. It's also having the experience in certain dungeons. Like, I don't run a lot of the dungeons because I just haven't in a long time. So when I go into dungeons that I either haven't been in, I I suck. I pretty much suck. I know I do. And that's because I don't know where to stand. I don't know what to do in a lot of situations. Um, Escalonian Catacombs is probably the biggest example of that because I haven't... I've run it once or twice since they've remade it. And both times, I'm just like, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? And I go down, even on the staff alley. But if I'm in Arang, I don't have that problem. Yeah. Well, all right. We're we're getting pretty far afield here, though. Let's <laughs> let's yeah. rein it back in. We can have a whole separate discussion on. Super quick before <clears throat> we go back, though, there was an excellent thread. Um, I think it was DNT and a couple of the other speedrun guilds uh, coordinated and put some input on this there is an excellent thread on the problems with condition damage and the solutions which a lot of um 
we kind of covered the ramp up time, the gear sets and such, but there's a really elaborate, I want to say like three or four page post on just thoughts about that. So if you're interesting, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, I'm going to link it to yeah. you guys to read through. Anyway, uh, that said, getting back, getting back to the instance fights. Um, yeah, I think I thought there were a lot of interesting mechanics, and I thought they were incredibly punishing uh, to melee, like to the point where it was not the first, fun or like, possibly doable fight, for some I agree. people. The second yeah. one with the troll or whatever. I don't know how exactly I managed to do it, but I got the troll up against the wall, and yeah. I literally just stood behind him and started backstabbing, and I was able to ignore all the mechanics. Yeah, I don't know what the mechanics were supposed to be in that fight, because it seemed like there was some sort of target icon that sent the swarms after people, but I didn't see anything like the honeypot um, that was in the uh, one of the Silver Waste fights. And it just sort of like happened on me. And at the beginning, it was really rough because they were all chasing me around and I was just getting reamed. Um, but then the same thing happened. I got him up against a wall and I think I just got either the, the swarm stopped targeting people or they <coughs> targeted one of the NPCs. And so it didn't really matter. And, you know, I yeah, I eventually just got to the same point where I just got to like found a found a safe spot in his back and like just just went to town on him for a while. But it was kind of. It was kind of a weird fight. How were Spirit? How and how are your experiences of that fight? Um, I I didn't really have a problem with the swarms. I thought it was really boring compared to the Terragraph fight, which I I still have some words about that one, so we'll have to go back to that at some point. Um, I did think it was really boring compared to the other fight where there was a lot of mechanics. You'd constantly be watching what was going on. He just kind of stood in the middle and did stuff, and I didn't always understand like the cause and effect of what happened. It took me a really long time. I I've run this uh, on several characters now, and it took me, I want to say, like, three or four tries before I realized that his one-shot earth spikes had, like, little necro marks mm. before they spawned. Because I just, I couldn't see them the first couple times, and all of a sudden I was like, ah, okay, now I know how to get out of the way. Because that was my major problem with the fight, is all of a sudden I'd get spiked down out of nowhere, and I'm like, where did that come from? I didn't see any or you know, red circles. I don't know how he was going to cast those. It seemed really random. Side of the room where they never spawn. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I like I didn't know that. I was just focused on DPSing the boss down because he was standing still and like not really doing much except randomly stabbing your boss every once in a while. So he didn't move for you. Yeah, I, mine I went know. up against the wall. Nah, he was hanging mm. out in the middle, just chilling. Yeah, it sounds like everybody had really inconsistent experiences. How about you, Robin? Yeah, it sounds different than I did it, but I mean, I had range, so I'm not seeing the problem with this whole range thing. Because I always carry ranged weapons with me, carry everything with me on all my alts. So I'd be like, oh, I'll switch to range. And I didn't even think about, oh, this is unfair for melee. I'm like, oh, okay, this is how I kill it. Yeah. I I always carry one melee set and one range set on every character that can weapon swap. So I haven't found I, the need because I just naturally on a thief, switch. Sure. I mean, one, the range sets pretty much suck compared to the melee ones. And yeah. two, we have the utilities to be able to go in and out. So yeah. I'm used to that playstyle of going in and out because as a thief, if you're in Zerger gear and you're not going in and out, you're pretty much you doing did. it wrong. Yeah. But with at least the first boss, you can't even go in. It was yeah. really frustrating. Yeah. It, it was it was brutal. Yeah. It was yeah. It was it was a little bit heavy handed with some of those mechanics. But uh 
So what uh, What were your... I still think it's good. I don't want to discourage um, them making it that way because there is a lack of that in the game. I think there should be bosses that you can't melee. Mm, then I... you really need to have a strong look at some classes' exactly. ranged options. <laughs> well, it, but you said yourself you didn't have a short bow. If you would have a short bow, things would have been But I really had slow. my pistol, and I, it was still probably better for me to just go down while meleeing than try to pistol him to death. Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe it's just because I carry range on all of my uh, which all my characters. Which I usually do, but I this particular time I logged on, I was just like, you know what? My inventory looks horrible right now, and I refuse to be Eric. So I'm cleaning out my inventory and I'm doing this thing, and my, all my stuff was in my bank at that point. Because I was just like, oh, this is just living. Story. Anyway, so. Yeah, what do you think about the troll then, Spear? I think that's where we're at. Yeah, wait, sorry, what, say that again? I said, what do you think about the troll spirit? I think that's where we were at in the discussion before we got back to the terrorgriff. I don't know. I've kind of lost our place. No, actually, I wanted to take it back to the terrorgriff, so it's fine. I really enjoyed the terrorgriff fight. Like, as a, like that whole instance, I thought it was really good. Um, from a, a combat standpoint, I thought it was interesting that the boss, I think... One of the things that Guild Wars 2 bosses tend to fall into is that they don't feel like they have any mass to them, right? They just kind of, like, slide turn, and they, like... I, I don't know. They don't feel like big bosses. They feel like they pixels. They feel like models. They and so I like think pixels. that... What? Yeah, they do feel like pixels. So I think the, the Morgan boss that, like, really actively moving and throwing his weight around was was visually cool. And then yeah, I, I agree that the fight could have used some some tweaked mechanics, especially to be a, a tiny bit more melee friendly, or at least because once I figured out the mechanics for the when he stops and they're like, oh, he's vulnerable, he sends out a number of like tendrils, I guess. They're heat-seeking projectiles, and they spring up the those really annoying like vines that the Mordrum Thrashers just spawn under you, and you're like, why do you do this? Where? I don't know, I really hate that attack. So that's what hit, hits you, and there's like three or four of them that'll hit you instantly if you're in melee range. And I think that could have used some tweaking. But the oh, the flying around, the spawning ad, the how mobile he was, I think was fine. And I actually got really excited about it because I went back and I did all the achievements. And the challenge mode of that fight was everything does more damage, hits in a wider range, hits faster and you do it in the dark which was awesome i really enjoyed that i did it um i think i would have had a hard time solo but i did it i did it with hunter and i was just had a huge smile plastered on my face the whole time because i really enjoyed the, the that's awesome the I, i've got to check out um, challenge yeah. mode now. yeah i might want to try that too but as um, a condition man i'd be doing it as a steph la so i can <laughs> run around shooting fireballs in the dark because that effect is just amazing yeah. Yeah. The um I wanted to talk about the AoE circles too because I think like the more I see from Living Story, which is so bizarre to me because I don't think I very much think that story should be accessible to a lot of people and I think that the last couple of bosses might be a little too difficult for a lot of people. And so I I kind of I kind of feel like they should ease up on non-challenge the, mode. Yeah. The regular story mode. Uh, the regular story mode, but the challenge mode, go nuts. That's achievements. You do whatever you want. I like in the dark with the huge AoE circles and 
all kinds of damage and stuff. I really enjoy that. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to any, any future challenge mode bosses, but oh, the AOE circles, uh, the really unique patterns, the, the Terragraph had the, he goes to the middle and then he does a pulsing thing and the, it, the, it's like a pale AOE circle and then it gets brighter when it pulses. So, you know, when the damage is, and then it also had rings inside rings inside rings so that you could see there was like tiers of damage mm-hmm. based on how close you were to him. Which I thought was great. They're getting really good at conveying what an attack I hope, does. And where it does. I hope that as players we get we yes. get some new skills that utilize some of these like cooler AOE effects. That would too. be cool. Like because we yeah, had that, that it's neat. had some of those in Guild Wars One. I mean, we didn't have the AOE visual. You, uh, you know, we didn't have the visual denotations, yeah. but you know, some of some that of that could be implemented. That could be implemented through the ritualist if we're getting something like a ritualist. Well, I think it. Mm. Yeah, or like Necro Greatsword. Yeah. Do the, yeah, well, I mean, I, th- I feel like Elementalist 2 could have some great... I mean, anything that's earthquakey, you know, having concentric mm-hmm. rings of extra damage is pretty yeah. intuitive. Um, yeah, I, I do think um, your point about your point about the accessibility of the fights in normal versus challenge mode is something that um, bears bears some thinking about, because I think, I think a big part of it is that, you know, like Rabin said that you know you want you want some fights where you just can't like where meleeing is just not a good option but i also feel that it's more acceptable in an environment predicated upon preparation for extreme challenge like the idea that just like the queen's gauntlet like the queen's gauntlet was really hard in some pl- fights and required you to like really redo your whole build or your whole way of looking at it but you're going into the queen's gauntlet with the mindset of these are challenge fights that have mechanics that are really hard and i feel like story instances especially ones where you can't jump straight into the boss fight are sort of a frustrating way to have that because there's no real discoverability about that of like you know well too bad condition like like conditions are useless or conditions are the only way to go or ranged or melee are useless you know what i mean like if you pick if you pick any general build style mm-hmm. and make it effectively useless i think that that's not a great thing to put into but there's a, a different into a isn't there a difference between, boss fight between making it effectively useless and having to try again because i don't mind having to try again in fact i like that sometimes i don't want to be able to beat the story my first time through necessarily See, uh, I think that's really as far annoying, as it though. it comes to story, you should be able to do it the first time around because it's story. If you want the challenge and you want to do the whole repeating thing, that's what challenge modes are for. Then do it. Yeah, that's. I kind of agree. I feel like that's. I feel like if if the fact that they have a framework for challenge mode, you know, if they didn't have that, that would be a different discussion. Where you know, like some of the first living story stuff, where we didn't have this challenge mode concept. Um, you know, that's a much more realistic question of, you know, well, we can only do it one way, so how hard is that way going to be? Is it going to be face roll easier? Is it going to be, you know, soul-crushingly hard or somewhere in between? But when you have a mechanic already built in for here's how you do the story and here's how you do it the hard way, I feel like the story way should generally be a little bit more well, if accessible. You're gonna do that- if they're going to do that, they need to let me do hard mode the first time through, because you can't turn it on unless you've I would it, right? totally be in favor of that. Because I would rather not compart... Yeah. I, what you're saying is compartmentalizing your skill with your story. I like them together sometimes, so I would like to be able to turn the hard mode in the beginning. I think it fixed the disagreement. Well, I agree that that probably should be a thing. I can see why they don't do it, because it increases replayability. Did I say that right? Replayability. Replayability, yeah. 
And yeah. that's yeah. actually really important when it comes to an MMO. So while I would like to see that, I don't expect it to ever happen. Yeah. Well, let's also say that um, it would also and be a lot I nicer it... for the story stuff. If you're going to have story, have parts that basically have hard lockouts of if you do this, you're going to be screwed and might have to redo the whole thing. Like, if you have to redo the whole instance, there needs to be a lot heavier-handed use of the ability to skip everything, because, like, some of the story instances take a while, and not because of the combat, just because of, like, the talking and the, like, the the parts that you can't actually skip. And you can skip some cutscenes, but you can't really Mm -hmm. skip all of them, or all of the types of them. Like, I don't know, it's... It's it's frustrating to like spend quite a while doing something and then realize that you have to do all of it again and not not necess- like the story part is frequently only fun the first time you actually go through the story in my opinion. like if if you can't like skip through it I don't know maybe that's just me but right no I like I enjoy the story but I don't always want to see the story if I'm there to kill a boss I don't want to sit yeah. through the story again. Anyway, yeah, I mean, it's... Which you think they know from Guild Wars 1. Which you think they would know from Guild Wars 1, but... Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, there's, I mean, there's an interesting... It's, so, there's, there's some balance point are... to be struck. Go ahead. But I think we're talking about, if I'm not mistaken, the accessibility of the story, the challenge of these story uh, instances with every class, right? Uh, somewhat, yeah, to some extent. And do you think it's broken or not? I would say yes, compared to like the difficulty of running through it on my thief versus on my guardian, for sure. I just I, across the board, uh, anytime I grab See, my thief for personal story, and I'm not a bad thief player. I mean, I main a thief, and I still struggle with it a lot. But more I don't. Than I, do on I don't know. I don't see that because you know, after I came back to Guild Wars, um, what for my two three month break that I had or whatever. I've gotten most of my other classes to 80, so I have alts, and I alt, like, everything now. I run it on all my characters, and I I think it's very reasonable on each character. I haven't, I don't think I've ever had to restart it. I've been able to do it the first time every time oh, on every class, I don't so I don't know. I don't see my, that. If I'm able to do it the first time, because if that was my measurement, then everything would be easy. It's how, like, what happens that first time you run it with each class. Like, for me, this latest one, running it on my Thief was at least for the first instance, a good bit of a bane because of the limitations of melee. When I ran it as my staff LA, I blew through that first instance. On the flip side, the labyrinth was much easier on my thief because I could be like, oh, la 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 la, stealth, and... <laughs> teleport, stealth, teleport, teleport, stealth, stealth, Basically, teleport, and, teleport. and by the way, you can teleport across walls in that place. <laughs> Oh, as long nice. as you can manage to get line of sight. But on my Ellie, that second one was a bit more involved, particularly the boss fight. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're sort of talking ourselves in circles on this. I do want to ask as a side note question, did anybody else have kind of a hard time finding the center of the maze? Because I could not yes. use the mini-map for that, but for that at all. Like, I swear to God... <laughs> like the over the overview mini map it's like none of these ways look like they are in or they look like they are in and they are not and the stupid marker like points you to a place that's not actually inside it which is kind of hilarious but uh 
It helps though to get a uh, Casimir first because she gives you light. No, I, I just meant for the last. Like I couldn't remember how to get, or couldn't remember or find yeah. how to get into the center, and I thought there would be multiple paths that led into it because they kind of looked like they were on the mini map, and there were not. They weren't because, <laughs> like, you <clears throat> for the other ones, you could tell from the overview uh, where to go in the maze, but the center yeah. looked like it was always blocked off from the over map. Yeah, I when I when it was time to finally go into the center. I was just like, maybe I have to go up this cliff. Nope, that's a wall. Maybe I have to go down here. Nope, this is a dead end. I'm going to go all the way back to the... Oh, that's a dead end. Turn around. Let's go back to the beginning. It's like, oh, it's right in front of me. <laughs> yeah, not. it wasn't really a huge annoyance. It was just sort of like, I just felt like an idiot. I, uh, I think any of you who have run guild missions with me will appreciate this, but I had no trouble <laughs> navigating the labyrinth at all. And it like I didn't even think about it until later, and I was like, "Wait, I can't find east from west." But somehow, when this labyrinth was so convoluted, it I had no trouble with it. I had it memorized by the second time through. I was like, "Oh, yep, I know where." You probably mentioned that when I, I made like Pokemon abilities for the people in the guild. Spirit's hidden ability was lost in a round room. <laughs> no, excuse me, oh, cornered true. in a round room. I, I could get lost Gosh. in a round room. Uh, oh funny. yeah, um, yeah. All right. Well, I think we kind of talked the talk the story section to death for for now. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, other than the shortness of it, I liked the patch. Yeah, I I don't dislike it by any means. I don't yeah. even dislike a short patch once in a while. Like I I've, I've been busy, man. I'm <laughs> I I hardly had time to play this patch. It's actually kind of nice that I could pound this one out really fast. I did think of one more thing I wanted to talk about. Possibly, take. I really liked the cinematic in the the Terragriff instance where he stabs the NPC and throws it. I thought that was uh, it stood out because it was very. Uh, we tend to like in Gilders too, like they say things happen. They're like, "Oh, I am slain," <laughs> to quote Shakespeare. Yeah, and well, and they, they also kinda, heavily like, rely on um, already uh, existing in-game animations or just going from still model to still right. model and I definitely picked up that it was it had more unique animations. Yeah, definitely. And the the impact was was really good It was I, visceral. I I can't say I was particularly yeah, it was. I I can't say I was particularly invested in that particular NPC. I think it Acolyte was the Acolyte of Sun. I'm not I think it was. Sure. Uh uh but as soon as his arm started swinging I went, "Oh, holy shit." Like just wow. It was a very impactful moment, and I, I, I think we all know that like that kind of cutscene is way I, more impactful. But and I would like I've to see it more. I've been playing Inquisition pretty much all week since you know Inquisition. Oh my god! And like seeing that cutscene after playing Inquisition, I was just like, oh, they they went there this time. And there's a particular cutscene in Inquisition. I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's a fairly important NPC that just gets gobbled. And it reminded me of that, and I was just like, I was really surprised to see Anat do that, because they're not really known to do cutscenes like that. Yeah. Uh, Hunt, I said that was, you know, that was weird. We haven't seen anything that dark. Or no, yeah, maybe it was Robin. It Somebody was said, wait, we have seen stuff that dark. This so whole, we've seen people this whole by uh, and story stuff. has been dark. And I said that near, maybe I was talking to Eric, near the beginning was... It's weird that it's so dark. You see these people, you know, hanging from vines, strangled. Um, you know, Belinda died. Even before Belinda died, you know, strangled from vines, there's other people. And it's it uh-huh. doesn't feel like Guild Wars in some ways. 
But it's interesting. I'm glad they're going there and it's making it more. Yeah. I like it. It feels though. like Guild I'm Wars, really, but it doesn't I'm really feel like Guild Wars it. 2. Because since Guild Wars 2, they've taken a much more lighthearted approach. Yeah. That's an accurate description. Yeah. Yeah, they're really putting the capital E in evil. With an extra two E's is... before the V. Evil. Um, <laughs> uh, let's just do a quick rundown of gem store stuff. Uh, Spirit, you want to take that? Sure. Uh, there's a whole bunch of new stuff in the gem store, as there usually is with a patch. The jungle explorer outfit for 700 gems. Uh, the packed weapon set, unfortunately, is in the uh, yeah, Lion ticket thing. I was kind of hoping they would be like a ticket reward for completing all of the season two on one of your characters. But anyway, uh, there's glint dies, which are, you know, a unique die set. They're very light. They're kind of like pastel colors, um, but come in a variety of colors. And there's also, I think the the most interesting thing to me was the, oh God, I don't know what, Evie, what is the WTS not want to sell? It's like the world tournament uh-huh. series or something. Uh, the the big PvP thing. Okay, anyway. The WTS regional finishers, they have a finisher oh. for North America, China, and for Europe. For those teams, right? Basically the same finisher, but they're colored. Yeah, so you can show your support for your region, and then if you buy the finisher of the winning region, you get, um, I think it's a whole bunch of celebration boosters, which are like birthday boosters, but they only last an hour. So that's kind of neat. Oh, there's also a whole bunch of sales. Um, there's 30% off upgrade extractors, collection storage, die packs, and character slots. Somebody stop oh, me. Stop. Uh, I need help. Hold on. Aren't you at like 17 <laughs> and, characters? And uh, 44% off the... Uh, you ask her tomorrow. <laughs> Although I will yeah. say, buy a character slot um, just so that you have one at a cheaper price for when the next Wraith comes out. God dang yeah, I am thinking about that because it's been, like I know I've been saying like an expansion is coming for a long time, but I really have a feeling about December, you guys. For an announcement or oh, for right. it actually to come out, <laughs> like. No, no, I have a feeling about December, like an announcement in December, because I I really think that they're going to have to give us some direction of where the living story or like where things are going in December, and I think the end or, of the living story is like the best. Or possibly January that, because we got that roadmap well. post like January two thousand thirteen. Yeah, some somewhere right, in that January general season. Probably That's too late, good. though. I'm I'm just yeah. gonna be frank. I yeah, I don't know. Well, whether I we think, think it's too late or not doesn't. They could benefit whether we from, think like, it's too late or not doesn't, doesn't really matter, matter or doesn't really uh, impact what Arena Net's yeah, gonna do. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they do what they want. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's just my my theories. I might hoard some character slots. I think that's but that's about it though. Cool. Uh, do we want to talk about the glove boxes thing, or the the armor boxes? Uh, I think we, we already... didn't we. I think we could. I, I think we that, that was all in pre-show. Whoa, dude! Like whoa. whoa. Okay, so super quickly. <laughs> oh, I know we've talked about so much stuff that I feel like I'm confused. Um, so the glove boxes don't drop from finish or like. Hey, each... we're talking about the armor sets for the new living story. Yes, what we're talking about. Yeah. I was backing up to make sure I said that. So the carapace armors, armor things are, are coming from each living story chapter. In this particular chapter, there's the glove boxes. In the last chapter, it was the shoulder pieces, and you could get a shoulder piece box each time you completed it on cool. an alt's character. 
Um, the the reason it was advantageous to do this is because you need the three different armor weights to get the luminescence set. Right. Um, so now in the gloves box with this um, this episode, you cannot do that. Um, they it's rewarded for the first time you complete it. But now you can, and it was this pre- way previously, you can get it for a thousand bandit crests and like a gold or something. Uh, or they drop from the nightmare chest in the labyrinth. But you can't get them for working on alts. So it's a lot more of a, a time investment. Yeah, get ready to farm pieces. if you want them now. Yeah, but also um, just kind of like as a PSA, if you want black lion keys, definitely do this because it's a really short chapter. You can kind of blitz through it real quick. We talked about all, all kinds of Which ways to Which means you're going to get bosses. like 20 of them. Um, and you get a black lion key for every time you beat yeah. it on an alt. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. I knew yep. those alts would pay off someday. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty much it. I think we've it? got Cast like, Cast. <laughs> so. Yeah, we got Cast okay, Cast. I have but... so many things to talk about on Cast Cast. Uh, oh, wait, that's me. Oh, wait, that's uh, me. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Cast Cast, the podcast within the podcast, the cast, but the cast of other podcasts and the style of cast of other podcasts. I didn't do so well today. Uh, I have a lot of shout outs today just because I've been feeling like I've been meeting people and having a good time in Guild Wars. Uh, shout out to the person who called me Cast Cast Spirit Face in the Guild Wars Reporter Twitch chat. I stopped by to listen to their show as they recorded it live Thursday, Wednesday. I don't know. Someone was like, are you Spirit Face from Relics? Cast Cast Spirit Face? And I was like, oh, that's me! <laughs> And I got really excited about it. I felt like a dummy because they said it and like my Twitch chat turned red and I'd never seen it do that before. So I was like, it's a whisper. I don't know what to do. So I'm a total dork. And I, I presume you listen because you called me cat, cat, cast cast spirit phase. But I really enjoyed that. That made my year. And I wish I had like responded and be like, yeah, that's me. Thanks. Or like, you know, said something more than like, oh, yes. Uh, but I did really appreciate that. So thank you for that. That made my, my week. Uh, I wanted to shout out to uh, people who don't listen to this show, but uh, Thursday night, we went to Ascalon Catacombs, myself, Robin, and Borks, and we pugged with two awesome. brand new players. Yeah, it was a great experience, um, just to kind of introduce them to the community. I got Kevin, the femur mace, as a drop, and I sent it to the the brand new warrior without any context. I just said, like, welcome to Guild Wars 2, He's a, here's a femur. And all of a sudden, about 10 minutes later, he's like, Somebody sent me a WTF, someone sent me a awesome. femur. <laughs> I lost it. And well, I never was that got before or after you're like a moose running around asking catacombs, and then everyone dies, and they're like, Oh, he's got oh. this. And you were calling me Raven, even though I was on an alt, and no one knew what was going on. It was great. Oh, yeah, we had a great time. Uh, so, shout out to, to our awesome pugs. Uh, That's I thought I had another shout out, but I, I didn't write it. Battle down. of the Sorry, Five Armies? Or different? Or is that. I It was something different. Oh, okay. But yes, uh, Duke with Their Heart is doing another huge PvE event. It's called Battle of the Five, Ar- Five Armies. And the premise is they're starting a Zerg from each of the racial capitals, and they're all going to run towards each other and meet up at Tequadal and then murderize it. Uh, so that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, it's EU servers only, unfortunately. I will hope to be there uh but we're not organizing a last time i should give context for this but last time i i headed up a north american parallel event 
to their European one, but not this time, unfortunately. So if you're in North America, I'm sorry. Maybe next time. Uh, they're testing out the ability of mega servers to keep groups together in this sort of context. But we do have an excellent interview with Duke that is coming out around the same time as this episode, so please go listen to that. Cause and I can tell you that that interview was really very professional. And the community raid. And what was uh, relatively professional? That's right. We had some good stuff. We had some good stuff with this community uh, series, community raid discussion. I think we've done had some good episodes. I like them. Mm-hmm. That's all I got for today. I All need, right. Like, a wrap-up well, statement no. for Cast Cast. Like this has been Cast. And that's how the cast crumbles. Okay, yes. we'll work on that. We have to. I think it's a good idea, though. A wrap-up statement that we've got the opening and the, and the closing. Uh. All right. Well, speaking of closing, I think that we've hit that point. But I think we need. A, where it's I think we need a wheel close. of morality. Oh. Throw, throw does there. somebody throw does somebody yeah. have one, or am I gonna? All right, Wheel of Morality. Wheel of morality. Go ahead, Spirit. It's Wheel fine. of Morality. Turn, turn, turn. Tell us the lesson that we should learn. Rabbit. We've learned that if you're in a story instance, you need to bring a ranged weapon. Just bring a ranged weapon. <laughs> Just bring a ranged weapon. Uh, yeah. I think we've learned that Super Smash Brothers and Destiny and Dragon Guild Wage. Wars should not all release things on the oh, same man. week. And Dragon Age. Yeah. And Pokemon. And Pokemon. Yeah, no, this week's been brutal on my social life. It's it's The struggle is real. Like, I'm getting up early on weekends to play Guild Wars so that I can talk about <laughs> Guild Wars. That's rough. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's hard to be a gamer these days. Jesus. Um anyway, with that, thank you for bearing with us for an hour and a half or whatever this has turned out to be. Um and we will see you next time. That was another episode of Relics of War. If you'd like to get involved, you can find us on any social networking site such as Facebook, Twitter, Steam, and many more just by looking up Relics of War. That's Relics of O-R-R. Similarly, if you'd like to send us mail, you can send that to relicsoforr at gmail.com or go to our website, relicsofor.com, where you can record right there on the front page using our WordPress widget to put on a headset and give us your feedback. Or if you feel more comfortable with it, you can go ahead and just record the audio and send it to us as an OGG or an MP3 file. If you'd like to join us in-game, send a whisper to Cole, C-O-E-H-L, and Nexi, A-N-E-K-S-I, C-Squirrel Run, that's a C, and then Squirrel, and then Run, or Spirit Face to get in contact with us or join the guild. Last, we always love the comments, so if you want to go to our main site and start commenting on some of the posts that we've got or join our forums, you can have fun with that. If you listen to us on iTunes, you can find our page on the market and just leave a comment or a rating that you feel that we deserve. We appreciate that. We'll read them on the show. 